a podcast on the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com. Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Thank you for giving me some of your time today, and I hope this episode finds you well. I want to also thank you for sticking with me while I took a little break, and I hope you enjoyed the top five countdown we had during September. Now we're back with brand new episodes, but there is a change in scheduling moving forward. Today's episode is going to be the format you're used to, but from now on, these regular episodes will come out every other week. That doesn't mean you have to wait two weeks for new episodes, though, because in the weeks between regular episodes, I will be putting out my new mini-episodes. I know my show is already pretty short, but these new episodes will be called my According To episodes. I have amassed a small collection of interesting language books that I want to share with y'all, so each mini-sode will include me reading an excerpt from one of those books. I think it'll be a fun way to mix up the show. As for why I'm making the scheduling change, I'll share that with you soon. Okay, that's more than enough ado for one intro. We're talking about hat-related phrases today, so let's head right into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up today is the phrase, I'll eat my hat. This is said when someone feels certain of something, such as, if the earth is flat, I'll eat my hat. One theory for why it's a hat that gets offered up for eating is that kings and people in their courts wore oversized hats, often ones made of metal, which would make for a rather hard-to-consume garment. However, I couldn't find any definitive proof that this led to the saying. Another theory has to do with an old-timey times pastry called a hat, spelled H-A-T-T-E. It was a small meat pie made in the shape that supposedly looked like medieval hats, which is where they got their name. So this was literally a hat that was made to be eaten. The problem with this theory, though, is that there is quite a gap in time between when people were eating the hat pastries and when the saying first appears in print, so it's hard to tie them together. The pies were common in the 15th century, while we don't see the saying until the 18th century. Also, a meat pie sounds delightful, while eating a hat does not, so it's not likely that this is what led to the saying. The safest bet is to say that no one really knows where exactly the saying came from, which is not that uncommon, as we've learned here on this show. So let's look at what we do know. There was an older version of this saying, although it wasn't as commonly used. In the late 18th century, some people would say, I'll eat Old Raleigh's hat. Old Raleigh was one of King Charles II's favorite horses, and the king himself ended up with the nickname of Old Raleigh. 
Now, this is tied into the theory I mentioned of the king's hat being big and hard to eat. We find the saying, as we still use it today, in print in 1762. Or it might have been in 1797, because I saw both dates. Either way, it was the latter half of the 18th century. It was in a parody of the Iliad called Homer Travesty, a burlesque translation of Homer, which was written by Thomas Bridges, an English writer. He wrote, quote, For though we tumble down the wall, and fire their rotten boats and all, I'll eat my hat if Jove don't drop us, or play some queer rogue's trick to stop us. End quote. The use that probably helped to make the saying more popular came in Charles Dickens' The Pickwick Papers, from 1837. He included, quote, If I knew as little of life as that, I'd eat my hat and swallow the buckle whole. End quote. That's all I have for this one, so let's move on. Up next is putting a feather in my cap, which is used to refer to an achievement. While these days it's mostly just said, people did actually used to put feathers in their caps to show off that they'd done something worth recognition. People have been using feathers to show off since way back in old-timey times. Feathers are important to Native Americans, and they used them to reward someone for doing something brave or honorable. Gifted feathers were displayed proudly and treated with great respect and if a male earned enough feathers, he would have them made into a headdress. Many other cultures have used feathers as decorations or signs of honor, including, but not limited to, the Mongols, Hungarians, Incas, and some of the ancient Greeks. So actual feathers have been used in actual hats for a long time. But when did this saying become a saying? We don't know exactly, but we know it was by at least the 18th century, because of a rather popular ditty that many of you probably know. Yankee Doodle was written in 1755, and while it probably wasn't the first use in writing of this phrase, it is likely the most well-known. I used to sing it as a kid, and I knew it had some verses besides the popular chorus, but I had no idea the full version had 16 verses. Don't worry, I'm not going to try to sing the whole thing to you, and besides, we're just going to focus on the chorus anyway. The chorus tells us that, quote, Yankee Doodle went to town, riding on a pony. He stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. End quote. Now, that's really all there is to this saying. It was just a physical practice that became idiomatic. But I also want to explore why the heck Yankee Doodle called the feather in his cap macaroni. It turns out that the Yankee Doodle song wasn't always the positive song it is today. It was originally a song that British soldiers used to make fun of the American colonists. In 18th century Britain, doodle was slang that meant a simple person, and macaroni was slang for a fop which is basically an old-timey times way to say a hipster. The song boils down to the British making fun of the Americans for being dumb enough to think that a feather in their hat made them look fashionable. However, the Americans were not at all offended by the song and began singing it with enjoyment, which led to it becoming the fun song we still sing to this day.
So, from an honor to an insult to a carefree kids' song, feathers and caps have long had meaning, mostly positive. And with that, let's move on. Let's put on our thinking caps now, which means to put on a hat to make you think better. The hat is figurative, but why does wearing it make you think better? Let's look at the original saying first. In the 17th century, folks would say, put on your considering cap, which basically meant to be sure you thought about or considered a decision well before you made it. One theory is that this came from the idea that people who went through higher education graduated with a cap on, so they were wiser because they had earned that cap. Another idea is that it was related to the fact that judges would always put on their cap before passing a sentence. Although plenty of people wear hats of many types in all sorts of professions, so this is probably not the real origin of the saying. Wherever it came from exactly, the first known use comes from Robert Armin, an English actor and comic writer. In 1605, he wrote Fool Upon Fool, or Six Sorts of Sots. In it, we find, quote, By and by comes the gentleman in his white linen boot hose, ready to the purpose. A pox of lazy cobblers, says he, my boots, shall I forfeit a bond for your pleasure? The cobbler puts off his considering cap. Why, sir, says he, I sent them home but now. End quote. I couldn't find exactly when the saying changed from considering cap to thinking cap, but it had to have happened at least by the early 19th century, because we find it in writing in 1821. On October 16th of that year, in an article from the Western Carolinian, a newspaper from Salisbury, North Carolina, we find the following quote. We advise the editor to put his thinking cap on before he hazards another such assertion. End quote. That's about all there is to this one, so now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Topper's today's familiar quotation is from Jay Kristoff. Quote, in its brief 14-episode run, Firefly gave viewers as much chance of witnessing a horseback chase or train robbery as a laser gun and space fight in any given episode. Snappy one-liners and silly hats were a constant, of course. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Kristoff, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't be everlastingly trying to change your husband's habits unless they are very bad ones. Take them as you find them and leave them at peace. And now for the men. Don't allow the habit of silence at home to grow upon you. Of course, you don't want to keep up polite conversation with an effort. That is not at all what I mean. But some husbands never seem to think it worthwhile to talk to their wives about anything. Although if a friend comes in, they will at once begin an animated conversation. 
All right, toppers, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnaphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. Also, check out the show notes for links to the Podfix network and to my merch store. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Last but not least, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, hats all, folks. Toodaloo. And now... This is... Let me rephrase. Charles Dickinson's... By and by comes the gentleman in his white linen boot house. Uh, what? A newspaper from Salisbury, North Carolina. Is it, wait, is it Carolinan? Carolinian, I think it's. This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.